Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. I'll be joined very shortly by Matt McGloin as we've got the latest, of course, and what's going on with Penn State football, especially throughout the spring practices. Who is standing out? Who's making some noise? And especially what are the latest headlines on the way towards the blue-white game on April 23rd? But today's episode, we have a very special guest, um, our old professor from Penn State and uh, a writer for statecollege.com that you might know well, Mike Poorman, joins the show to give us a lot of information. Obviously, there's limited access for the media for a variety of practices that go on throughout the year for Penn State football, and that's just the way the regime works. Uh, but we're going to get some of Mike Borman's insight, uh, especially one thing I know he wants to touch on is kind of what is left over from the 2022 season, not only on the field, but also on the coaching staff, who he believes are the veteran leaders that are really standing out, what Mike thinks of the quarterback position as of late. Uh, and especially Mike has plenty of insight in regards to the new athletic director search and the ramifications thereof for the program. And I do want to get Mike's thoughts on the recent trailer that came out for the new ESPN E60 episode due on April 18th the Paterno legacy. Obviously, that's going to raise some eyes for Penn State fans. So a lot to dive into on this edition of Pater. So let's not wait any longer. First off, thank you for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. Well, the college basketball season is over, but the postseason for pro hoops is looming, and Bet Online has all the action covered. Head over to BetOnline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info, along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So join today. Learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater podcast. I encourage you to check out the Citrus IPA and the Silent Disco IPA. But have you checked out the Double Citrus IPA? It's a big fan favorite. Beer Advocate has given it a score of 93 out of 100. It only arrives once a year, so take advantage while it's still available. The Double Citrus IPA is available now in Funk's tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York. Of course, you can find Funk Brewing products at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Speaking of Funk's tap rooms, we want to let you know that the tap room in Emmaus has moved locations. Now there's even more seating available in a very comfortable environment, plus a big screen and several more TVs, plus a permanent Flavor Nation food truck is on site. For more information on the new Emmaus location and more, visit funkbrewing.com, especially to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Joining me now, of course, my regular co-host, Matt McGloin, and our old professor from Penn State, <laughs> Mike Poorman. You might also have read a bevy of his work on statecollege.com for its decades now, right, Mike? I mean, you're, you're a staple of the State College area media. I, I wrote my first story about Penn State football, Penn State homecoming versus Army, 1979. Wow. Wow. Matsui ran for over 100 yards, which 
It was not a surprise. Be a surprise nowadays if we saw a running back for Penn State get over 100 yards. <laughs> I loved your article. Starting I, we, already. We talked about it on the podcast. I loved your article about the in-depth issues of the, the running game that we saw in 2021. So uh, I, I'm a big fan of your work, obviously. Uh, the question I want to ask you to get started is who was the better student of yours, me or Matt, and why is it me? <laughs> you know, you guys were very, very different. One of my... Um, Tom, you're very thoughtful and very earnest, and you were uh, a great participator in class. Um, Matt, while being thoughtful, this is one of my, Matt, you've heard this story before, is uh, there was a project, and I say this, and I go to everybody all the time, if you want to turn it in early, I'll look at it without giving you a grade for feedback, which in essence, if you want coached, I'll coach you. No one ever does that. <laughs> Matt McCloyne did that, and his project went from a B to an A. Yep. Um, he, he, he wanted coaching. Uh, you've heard that story before, haven't you, Matt? Yeah, no, I have, and I remember. I, I did a, uh, The project was on the history of the Penn State uniform, the jerseys, the helmets, everything like that. And, you know, although they've basically stayed the same all this time, there were slight changes you know, throughout the years and throughout Joe's era. So, you know, I, that's, you know, that's probably why I turned it in. That's probably why I wanted to be coached up on it, you know, because I was eager to learn about the history and the tradition of Penn State and, the, and, you know, the jerseys and the uniform. But that that was one of the more fun projects that I've done throughout my entire career, you know, at Penn State. So thank you for that. No. So, yeah, you were very different students. Um, I'll give you a quick, you mentioned the running back story. I'm going to hijack this just a little bit. Go for it. There was a line in the story first discovered by Audrey Snyder. Um, and then I, I put it in my story on running backs the other day. And um, it was Penn state's running backs were last in the nation in yards um, after initial contact. Um, and Someone on Twitter had kept on retweeting that, adding side, adding Juan Sider. Practice was open two weeks ago, and we're there, and the running backs are going through their their ball control um, drills, and Sider is telling them, "Hey, I just read that we're last in the country <laughs> in yards after contact." So mm. um, it was nice to hear that feedback in practice. I mean, it's a good thing to drive home. You know, it's a good motivator, the, the bulletin board material, so to speak. So, and you have the best intentions. You want the best for the team as anybody does. Um, and Mike, in regards to your access to practices, like any member of the state college media or Penn state media, national media, for that matter, uh, James Franklin keeps things pretty closed for the most part. It's a limited practice schedule. If anything, what have you seen overall from the team in terms of your access? Not a lot. I mean, there's just been a couple, honestly, 20-minute windows. Um, what, I, what I try to do, and Matt, you would appreciate this, but I, I think the, the most intriguing position is the quarterback position. So I go wherever, usually where the quarterbacks are. And I also like to look at the, re, look at the receivers um, because there's so much change, change there. Um, it's been interesting with the quarterbacks, um, how much the younger guys have been getting work, how much the younger guys, um, 
Prabula and Aller have stayed after practice. So we go, we watch practice for 20 minutes and then leave. And then practice is over and James King comes out. So last week, while we were talking to James after practice, those two guys were still out throwing, which um, I'm not sure what all that means. What, what does it mean that they're, they're still out there throwing, Matt? It means they need work, but they know they, but they know they need work, right? They understand they're in a position. They're all competing. You're competing every day for a job. You're competing every day for a position on the depth chart and reps. I'm not getting in practice. I still need those reps. So how can I get those physical reps? It's by staying after throwing with the wide receivers, throwing with the running backs. Mike, I remember a lot of times, like I used to just walk up and down the field and like go over the two minute situations in my head. Here's what we're going to call here. Here's what we're going to call here. And I would just walk through it. Just things like that, that if the following day I got those plays or I got those reps, it wasn't my first time doing it. Right. Because there, there aren't, we all know there are not enough reps to go around for everybody, especially quarterbacks. And when you're two young guys competing right now, brought in with the same class, you're doing everything you can to battle against one another, compete against one another. But I'm sure those guys are comparing themselves to one another right now. The other thing that, I, that for me, that's terrific insight. What uh, I guess I'm flipping it here. Um, but what does it mean when, when no one's out then do, do do people show up and, and do that when they know the media is going to be out there for FaceTime? That's kind of <laughs> negative me thinking that way. I mean, I bet you some probably do, you know, uh, I know there's reporters here. I know the media is out there. So let me go and try to get my, my name out there a little bit or, you know, let them see how, how well I'm catching the ball or how, how well I'm running the football so that everybody can see that how good of a job that I'm doing. I'm not hating on that. You know, I'm fine with, with a little bit of uh, self-promoting and I talk about it all the time now. Like I was a self-promoter myself, but it was because nobody was promoting me. Like, you know, this, if I made a good pass, you were going to hear about it. You know, if I had a, if I had a good set of reps, you were going to hear about it, but that's, you know, one of the ways I got my name out there, you know, um, one of the ways I started to earn more reps and gain respect from, from the players around me. But like, if you're doing that, as long as you're getting better and you're doing it for the right reasons, then, you know, good, yeah, good, no, they good seem to be them. done for right reasons. Well, yeah. um, uh, you know, I, you, you know, who gave you the first notice and this may be germane to the spring, which raises a question, you know, when James starts saying, well, so-and-so looks good and so-and-so looks good. That's how we first heard about you, Matt. Joe goes, this McGroin kid from Scranton, <laughs> honest to God, that's what he, that's what he said, but he gave you, you know, he, people go, well, who's standing out? You know, who's doing a good job? Who's surprising you? And Joe gave you your first, put you on the screen that way. So, you know, I'm wondering as a reporter, you know, what's the motives of, of James and then Joe of singling out certain guys. And, you know, um, obviously with you, Joe, know what he was talking about. Yeah. And Tom and I talked a little bit about this podcast already about those winter workout awards, like Mm -hmm. somebody tweeting out so-and-so is, you know, the player of the day or, or the workout warrior of the week or whatever they're calling those awards right now. Like, yeah, that, you know, that's good, but 
you know, in a way you're doing something right. If a coach is calling you out and he's calling you out, especially on social media or he's saying your name to the reporters and going back, I'm surprised Joe was even able to like say my name or get it that close to my name. I'm pretty sure he just called me the kid from the coal region for two for two or three years. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, if a coach is mentioning you, especially you know after practice to the media, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to say, you know, Tom's throwing the football really well, or, or Mike Porman, you know, has had a, done a fantastic job on the defensive side of the football for us thus far. He doesn't have to do that. If they're saying that, it means you're working your tail off. You're doing things the right way. You're doing it the Penn State way. Before we go any further, I want to take this opportunity to let you know that all of us involved in the Paydirt podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised over $203 million in the fight against childhood cancer and counting. To learn more about Thon's year-long efforts or to donate, visit Thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with an initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation. It helps strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels, and use hashtag Tag Me In and hashtag Tag Me In United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag Me In. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. Uh, Mike, in terms of what you've seen from the quarterbacks, how are you feeling about the group? Uh, there's been questions about uh, Drew Alar, uh, Alar, excuse me, uh, his physical readiness upon arriving on campus as opposed to Bo Perbula, and then obviously Veyu and Clifford miles ahead of those two just in terms of familiarity with the offense. But what's your gut reaction, what you're seeing from that quartet? Uh Great question. Three quick things. Um, a, a quick conversation, not a practice with Sean. He's feeling really, really smooth, really good about the offense. And I think you would expect that, but it's it's interesting to hear from him. Allers, freaking huge. <laughs> He's a big dude. And someone who's at practice much more than I am say, said that Veyu is his pre- – He's not as precise as he might be. And again, those are really small nuggets, but those are kind of the things that as a media person with small avails that, that you'd like to hang your hat on. Yeah, Bo Perbula is a, a, a guy that a Chuck Losey in particular uh, pointed out and said he was physically ready upon arriving. So uh, what have you seen or heard about Bo? Now, he looks pretty smooth too. I have to tell you, um, uh, the other thing that impresses me and I'll go back and use you again, Matt, is um, the year after you left when Bill was coaching Christian, I remember Bill getting on his knees at practice and literally moving his feet all, you know, on, on where they should be placed. 
that hands-on coaching I love. It's teaching. Um, you're such as a hands-on teacher. I love to watch that. That's very, very impressive to me. Like, I don't know quarterback play, obviously, like you do, but that he is intensely involved in that. He's not a stand back, cross my arms kind of comment kind of guy. So I don't know beyond that exactly what he's saying in the impact, but it sure looks like he's hard coaching him. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things, too, as a quarterback, you know, you definitely appreciate is the hands-on coaching. You know, in a way, you enjoy getting yelled at sometimes. <laughs> you know, you enjoy getting ripped because it's like, all right, let's go now. I got to motivate myself. I got to get better. I got to find ways um, to get better. But that's, you know, going back to like the, talking about the footwork and things like that, you know, especially for those younger guys, Mike, I mean, once you figure it out, you kind of got it. Like, and that that was like big for me you know, throwing these routes, it was a lot of trial and error. Like, all right, that didn't feel right. I got to throw it again. Now that didn't feel right. I got to try this way or try it that way. And going back to what we're talking about, about throwing after practice, like before and after practice was this way I was allowed to experiment with footwork and throws and things like that until I got it. Like your body's going to tell you um, when you're right. Um, and again, it's just reps, 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 and reps. And since we're on the quarterbacks, and again, this is another thing Tom and I have talked about, for you, when you look at the quarterback situation, for Beulah, Alar, Veyu, Clifford, will there be four quarterbacks on this roster come September? I I I don't see I don't see how. Um, yeah. And, and you you hate you hate to say, guess what's in someone's mind? But if if I'm Veyu, I, I think you're I think you're you're odd man out again, having heard what I heard about his passing precision so no and, and especially in this in this day and age um it would be hard pressed i that's great observation i agree with you uh, mike you mentioned mike yursich uh you know some of the guys that are going to be contributing on the offense along with these quarterbacks that have jumped out to uh to yursich especially have been uh, the freshman newcomers in especially running backs nick singleton and katron allen um, he went as far as to say recently that um, they're at a stage to where they can do all things and you don't have to worry about what down it is with those guys and you can play them all down. So you just have to get them squared away mentally on protection, et cetera. Um, the, the phrase that jumps to mind is that those two Singleton and Allen have been described as two dudes, which is a good thing in the football world. Um, <laughs> are they standing out that quickly? Well, James and your both. Like, uh, you know, I, 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 I think they're plug and play and ready to go. And a couple of weeks ago, I did a, a, a evaluated the number of carries of running backs. The number of carries by running backs is not down that much, given what James has done through the years at Penn State. What's incredibly down is going with the feature back. I mean, the last two years, Lee had 20 at most 25 percent of the running back carries. Whether you're looking at Journey Brown and when he was going through a streak of 65, Saquon was carrying over 70 over 70 percent of the calories. Same with Sanders. To me, when James says run the ball, we need to run the ball more. I think it's more run the ball more effectively and find that guy. I, I mean, I, I I will say right now, Nick Singleton is going to get 
after week two or three, he's at least going to get 50% of the carries. History tells us that. And Lee has had his shot. Um, I, I, I think that's, that's, the, that's the answer to the running game. Get Singleton 50 or 60% of the carries. That's been James's livelihood for the past 11 years, except with Lee. Um, you know, it's like when you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any. When you And when you have two, three running backs, you don't have any. It's all hinging on the offensive line, uh, which was, you know, we talked about it, you know, jokingly to start off this podcast, but it's been a real issue. However, it does sound like there's a pretty interesting, uh, you know, in pencil starting five that they're operating with. Um, the word is, is that Juice Scruggs has actually bulked up and he's looking pretty good at center. Um, Hunter Norzad has yet to arrive on campus, going to graduate from Cornell in May. Uh, Bryce Efner's health is still a question where he might fit in, but, um, it sounds like there's been some positivity in regards to the offensive line. So do you think coupling that with the way Singleton and Allen are looking, should Penn state fans be expecting a, a big leap in terms of the running game this season? Well, at least a, maybe not a quantum leap, but at least a medium leap. <laughs> yeah. I think just that cohesiveness, you know, I, I think, you know, Wallace has massive potential to me. The problem, and I'm going to ask Matt, this is the problem is, these guys don't have any playing experience is I was looking at Sean versus Pickett pick going into the season, their offensive line has 130 career starts. <laughs> I mean, what of how about if you'd like that, Matt Penn state's whole offensive line together, everyone who plays the offensive line has 35 careers. Wow. starts. Matt, I'm going to give you a stat. <clears throat> How many starts do you think your offensive line had going into the 212 in the 2012 season? Um, career starts. Uh, Matt Stankevich, John Urschel. You had Miles Diffenbach, Anti Howell. You know Mike Farrell. I mean, I'm going to say 75, 80, 15. Oh. What? Wow, you would have fooled me. I mean, I've I felt like those guys had a ton of experience, though. and Matt's they had still with us. That's amazing, but, but not but not starts. And wow. so that's my. I'm going to come back to the Penn State offensive line, and it may be that you know, the good comp Matt may be 2012. Is there good players who've had some experience? But you know, Tangwell hasn't played very much. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Juice has has probably the most starts, but. Um, there's a difference in my mind. I always go by, by, um, starts. And so Pitt to me is a great comp. They got 130 starts going in Penn state is 35. Wow. I, I probably should have known that answer now that I'm thinking about it, you know, being that I was the quarterback there in 11 and, and 10 as well. Um, uh, but you just, when, when I, when I, when you first asked me that question, I thought of those guys and how well they played in that 2012 season and how well they played together. 15 just sounds. But to me, that's the answer to Tom's question is that you would know is how quickly do they come together and how, Mm. how well do they gel and, and why do they gel? I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that, you know, if you're looking for a comp, I mean, I'm looking at my chart 15 is just. You know, it, 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 it's um, incredibly low. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on the player. It depends on the person. depends on the guy. Um, depends on 
the offensive line coach in a way. Mac McWhorter was our offensive line coach there in 2012. And for the names I just mentioned, Stank, Ursh, Mike Farrell, you know, Ty and Miles Diffenbach, you know, and even other guys that that rotated in during that season. I mean, those guys were hungry. They were eager to learn. They were eager to play. They waited their time to play, Mike, right? It was a few years before some of those guys had even seen the field, you know, and I think it was just the way our offense was was built, the way we operated, you know, everything kind of ran through me and it ran through Stank in the sense that we were making every single call. Um, you know, here's the mic point, you know, here's the protection call. Stank's telling, you know, the guards what they're doing. They're all communicating with him to make sure everybody's on the same page. And, you know, I, I can't stress that enough when it comes to the quarterback and the offensive line. Communication is key. If you can't communicate with one another, you can't succeed. Um, you can't play. You can't throw the ball. You can't run the ball. You can't sustain drives. You can't get first downs. They have to be able to communicate. They need to learn how to do that. Um, and that was one of the number one points that Tom and I made before spring ball started, Mike, was to find an offensive line and go with it right now. Now, we're not saying that's going to be the offensive line at the end of 15 practices. But as long as you have something in place right now that's allowing these guys to play together and get used to playing together, then you have a chance to be successful and to go into summer, to go into training camp, feeling pretty damn good about, you know, your offensive line and where it's at and know that you're getting better than what we saw a year ago. And, and Mike, and since we're on the subject for you, and, and we know you don't get to spend a ton of time there, but when you look at this whole picture in the running game, I mean, is it the running backs or is it the offensive line or is it a combination of both? Well, the, the, it, the easy answer is a combination of things. And I always laugh because that's one of James's favorite answers. Cause that means he's not going to tell you my answer is, or he doesn't know, you know, yeah, he doesn't know. Um, it's, it's the backs running North South. It's, you know, that's the great thing about Zach Zwinnick, right, man. He, he didn't take yeah. one thousand yard rusher, thousand yard rusher. One of my all time favorite. And every, every step was North South. It's a matter of running North and South. Okay. And I think it's a matter and the offensive, this isn't going to be very popular, but I, it's what I believe to be true. Um, last year's offensive line, they were some of the nicest people in the world. I mean, they were really good guys um, and nice guys, but nice guys don't cut it. I mean, you got to be, in my mind, you got to be much more freaking brutal. And, yep. and make the line of attack. Yep. They got pushed back so much. So between them being pushed back and, and I get, I get Lee and Kane and Ford was hardly in there dancing left and right. But those two things, it's it. The answer to me is straightforward. You got to move straight forward. Um, and I don't think either group did that last year. Hmm. I, I mentioned, I mentioned John Urschel's name. I remember walking in the huddle in the middle of games and John Ursh would be looking at me and his eyes would be all red and there'd be snots in his nose. And like, there are a few times I'd be like, John, are, are you all right, man? You know what I mean? But he was like, and he's one of the smartest people, one of the nicest guys. But when the lights came on, man, he was fired up and he's just one of the strongest, one of the toughest offensive linemen that, uh, that I've been around, but yeah, you have to have that mode. You got to be able to turn it on. Um, but with this 2022 offensive line for Penn State, and, you know, I know we're talking a lot about the players here, but, you know, how much of this and the struggles there is falling on 
Phil Troutwine, you know, compared to Mike Yersich? I, I I think you can. Uh, I think you can put them both on the hot seat a little yeah. bit. I think Trout, they're the saving grace for both guys. I mean, they're going to lose some games this year. I think Penn State has potential to be really good, if not next year, the next year would be really, really good. But the saving grace for both guys in some ways is Yursich is tied to Alar. Alar came to Penn State because of Yursich. Absolutely. And Penn State, what was it? There was a 10-week period where they picked up 10 offensive line commits, you know, the kid from Cornell, but then, you know, the late sign, but everyone else, I mean, they're playing the futures game. Okay. Yeah. This year is kind of, is, is, you know, and I, your point, I learned something there, Matt, it's, it's going to be juice and cliff running the show there. They're going to, they're going to be the bridge to, to have everyone mature and look to them. Um, but it's, that's my answer to, to, to um, the hot seat, maybe even get warmer this year, but they're not going anywhere because the future is tied to those two people, not only as coaches, but developers, but also as recruiters who are bringing in these people. You know, are, are you okay with that? You know, as somebody who's covered the team since 79 are, and after what the past two years have looked like, you know, are you okay with this whole, well, we're building towards the future and the future? I mean, I've always been a guy that has thought, well, what are we doing right now to win? You only have a, as a player, you only have a small amount of time to play college football. And I, and I don't want to say this because it's not fair to the players, but in a way it's kind of like you're wasting their eligibility and they're wasting their years when all we talk about is building towards the future. And that's kind of one of the things that we were upset about last season is week after week. It wasn't about wins or losses. It was about whether Franklin stays or goes. And that took away from the season. It took a year away from the players. Oh, I'm, I'm the last 27 games, Penn state's 14 and 13 on, uh, under what universe is that? Is that acceptable? Um, no, I, I, I am with you. And, and I, I, part of it is yes, especially these days, it's much more win now. And if, if James was bemoaning the lack of offensive linemen that he has at his disposal. And then he was bemoaning that at a uh, run on tryouts, there weren't many offensive linemen. He goes, well, yeah, they're big guys. So they're not a lot on campus. Look, if you're counting on your offensive line in year nine to come from some guys from East halls, you're in trouble. And at this, these days, this day and age, you got to aggressively recruit the portal and Penn state, Penn State has done – they have two – two essentially two players from the portal, one who's not here. Tinsley was a great pickup. Mm-hmm. Great yeah. great pickup. He's a great – he's a guy that Penn State needs now, and they went and got. And so you have to be able to do that. So what you're talking about, Matt, no, that that I don't think they – who else have they gotten in the portal? They're, they're mm-hmm. staying pat, and they're – building you they know continue to strike out in the portal i mean they put they were putting out offers they were looking for uh pass rushers and they've largely struck out uh which has been interesting and it's it's alarming at the same time to your point mike about you're looking on campus like that's that's not a good solution and the recruits that are upcoming seem promising but they're recruits 
you can't bitch about the there's not the walk-ons are not big enough. <laughs> I mean, maybe with James, my groin, but that's about it. You know, come <laughs> on. James makes a thousand dollars an hour. You know, you got to get some more people in. Mike, uh, you know, you touched about the the future of the program, and that gets me to uh, my question about the AD search. There are huge ramifications, particularly for who the next person is going to be, because uh, based on the you know outward viewpoint, it just seemed like the relationship between Sandy Barber and James Franklin was very good. So now whoever is coming in is inheriting James Franklin for quite some time. Um, what have you heard about how that search process is going? A couple interesting things. Uh, Neely, the new president-elect, announced that she is leading the search. It's her hire. It's her search. Look, Penn State's an $8 billion annual revenue corporation. Athletics brings in 165. But this is the one place that she has already stuck her flag in the ground and said, I'm leading the search. Like, so this, it's her search. This is her person. And I think the days of uh, of James and Sandy and being partnered where Sandy basically saying pretty much yes, at least on the surface, it looks like the James thing and, and, and Baron letting them go. Neely's, this person is Neely's hire. This person will report to Neely. This person, they're, they're beholden to Neely. They're not going to be beholden to James. So even though he has that large contract, there's a new sheriff in town. And this, the new sheriff, I think, is going to be much tougher on football, especially given they've, they're 14 and 13, their last 27 games, um, much tougher on football. The other reason that they can be tougher on football is the Big Ten has this new, new negotiation for media rights. Penn, they get 50, every school in the Big Ten now gets about $55 million. In three years, it's going to be up to $90,000. So the AD is not going to be so much beholden to football just for the revenue. They're going to get that big check from semi-pro for $90 million. So it's a real shift in the paradigm of leadership. Football is still important, but athletics are going to be run from the top down, from the president, the AD. At this, you can make a case. This may not be popular, but I believe it to be true. Athletics was run from James up to Sandy. And then Barron, James was at the top. It's mm. it's flipped. We will shift topics here. I got one more <laughs> question for you just to keep you off the hot seat because I know you love your job. Uh, so <laughs> it was over the weekend. Um, ESPN uh, put out uh, the trailer for the E60 uh, that's upcoming on April 18th called the Paterno Legacy. Um, I'm personally very interested to see what this uh, comes out to be. I know Matt McGloin was interviewed for it. Um, so I'm curious to see how they're perceived. Um, I, I read something uh, from Nate Bauer on Blue White Illustrated. I believe it was posted yesterday that there's a certain clip within that trailer where James Franklin is answering a question uh, about James, uh, Joe Paterno's legacy. And James is saying, I'm not here to talk about that, you know, whatever. And it appears within the clip ducking the question, according to Nate Bauer's article that he fired filed to Blue White Illustrated. The question was asked during November in the week of the Rutgers game, the flu and Veyu game, which was a crazy week for the team. And it was in the middle of a situation where Franklin was answering questions after practice as he normally does. So to be asked a question about Joe Paterno's legacy 
the week you're preparing for, you know, I believe it was senior day for Rutgers, if I'm not mistaken, and all the things that go into game prep and just get lobbed a random question about Joe Paterno, you understand why he wouldn't answer it. So are you in any way looking at this like I can maybe see what the skew is going to be for this E60? Um, Matt, did John Barr interview interview you? Was he the one? Was it John? Uh, uh, I, I was interviewed. Michael Sloshel, was he the producer? Yes, yes, yes. I was interviewed. Yeah, I was interviewed uh, during the season about it. Right. Um, so it's my, it's my understanding that um, they reached out to get an interview with James separate from the media scrum and it was denied. And so um, the, the options that were available to, and I think John Barr, who's, who's doing the piece is he's a really good for real journalist. Good. He's one Peabody. He wrote a book on the Larry Nassar piece. He's, he's as strong a journalist as ESPN has. I haven't seen the piece, but I know John. I mean, I know John when he's here working on it. So it's my understanding that they reached out to get separate with James and it didn't happen. And so at that point, you, you're only immediate. If you're denied a one-on-one, your only avails are the Tuesday presser with everyone there and on Zoom with 60 people or the smaller media scrum or post game. So it's picking your poison. If they're not going to talk to you individually, I'm not, you know, uh, uh, I understand it's the flu week and everything, but if you can't get a one-on-one, you got to do what you got to do. I think Hmm. that's me. Good to know the reporter's perspective. I think a lot of Penn State fans get very sensitive about that sort of subject. And especially uh, the, the Happy Valley documentary was very much skewed in one direction, and it can be an issue sometimes with national media, and I think we all experience that uh, being on campus from 2011 through 2013, all the different things that descended upon State College and the way the issue was perceived uh, to the outside world, very different than maybe what we actually understand to have been the case uh, internally. Um, Mike, thank you for for giving us your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading more of what you put out on statecollege.com, and uh, we all have to get together for some for some drinks at State College. I think at some point. Thanks. I got to tell you, you guys are on my weekly list, and I learned so much from both of you. I mean, it's sorry, Christian Hackenberg, but but this is the best Penn State football podcast there is. Thank you. Thank Mike. you. We appreciate the time. Take it easy, Mike. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.